all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? See, it, my first one was better. I'm Rachel. I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. I was projecting from the diaphragm in my first one, and you didn't get it. Yeah, because you usually stay silent for like 30 seconds and then say hello. So, so I if I had I paused and then projected. That would have helped, yes. Should we start over? Yeah. Okay. It doesn't matter at this point. Okay. <laughs> and this is All Bad Things. Did I already say that? Maybe. Okay. I don't know. All right, we're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, follow us at All Bad Things Pod, Insta, Twitter, Facebook, All Bad Things Pod at gmail.com, and our discussion group, the All Bad Things Discussion Group. <laughs> was... uh, at facebook.gmail.pod.com. <laughs> uh... Again, I don't know I don't know why you need a subset discussion group. On a site that is built around discussion. So, I I wondered that myself, Mm -hmm. even as I formed the Facebook group. But you know what? I got some good answers. People um, explained it, that Facebook groups are private. Mm -hmm. So, it's not like just anybody can see it. So, if somebody... um, But you control that on your own profile, too, don't you? No, not not in group activity, necessarily. I thought you could. Or, or you mean your own? Well, like yeah. say say we have our page, right? Mm-hmm. Like all bad things. Yeah. Um, if somebody comments on something on just our regular page, anybody can see that because it's a public page. We control that, not the individuals who comment on it. I see. You can't make yourself invisible from your comments on a public page. You can make your own personal stuff private. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, but. Ultimately, like the Russians are blackmailing us all, so well, <laughs> or tr- something. <laughs> they're trying. Or they're they're probably succeeding. Who knows? Mm. Boris, what's his name? Is um, the new person in England? Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson. Yeah. Said, and he's he's a little bit more than a person. He's he's, he's the prime minister. He's the, he, congratulations, <laughs> uh, UK! You now have your own Trump. You get your own Trump. <laughs> Enjoy. Brazil's got one. Uh, the Philippines has one. <laughs> Probably Canada will get one next. Who knows? We're all dying. No, we're not. We'll be fine. Well, no, technically we are. I mean, that's well, as you, you're shorter of breath and one day closer to death, as it were. We're feeling super cheery today. But we should, actually. I'm feeling fine. You're the one that is not feeling no, super I'm cheery. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm taking on the weight of and stress of a few things right now. But... I am looking forward to our Vegas vacation, which we will be starting the day that this comes out. Yes. Yay. Super excited. We will be on a plane when you're listening to this, most likely. Yeah. Or because we're leaving very arrived. early. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we and we might be jumping from the stratosphere. Yes. In Las Vegas, which is 108 stories high, and they have a controlled descent. Yeah. Mechanism. 
Now it's a very fast <laughs> controlled descent. It is not as fast as if you would just no. jump off of it, though. No, they that say it would sure. take like five seconds if you actually free fell, um, which is it is not a free fall. Um, it is or a bungee even. No, it, it it's is, a controlled drop. Yes. It, you're literally being guided down in their guide wires and the whole bit. Um, so it only takes like 15 seconds or it takes like 15 seconds. So, but it's still fast, (laughs) but how on, on a like percentage scale of like zero, no way I'm doing it. And a hundred, yes, I'm definitely doing it. What percentage would you say you're at? at I mean, I'm pretty close to a hundred. I mean, if this was 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. I would do it without even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. But, um, I, I don't have the same, uh, see like where I grew up. Um, fun didn't come to you. <laughs> you had, to, you had to you had to make your own fun, and when you were a boy, especially, you wind up doing dangerous shit. Yeah. So, um, I've jumped off of plenty of things, not as high as 108 stories. I've never done that, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. I mean, I'm I'm up for it. I think I'm. About- I'm pretty sure I'll be shitting my pants <laughs> while, while I'm standing like right up above it, about to jump. But yeah, I think I'm maybe like. 65 to 70 percent there because i mean 108 stories it's high. I mean, that's i've never been up that high in a building before ever really no i'm trying to think what's the tallest building i've been up because i never went up the empire state building i never have that, either or the Sears oh actually Tower. no yes i have did you go i have been on top of the did empire you look state. up off of it were you yes. in the observation yep. deck and everything yep i do okay. I, now that I, I was thinking i did not look up or i did not go up to the observation deck on the twin towers when i was there mm-hmm. when it was still there right um but yes i the last <clears throat> We went to New York, what, three years ago? Yeah. The time I went before that, we did go okay. to the, uh, Empire, the Empire State. State Building. Yes. Okay. You are up there. Oh, it's, yeah. It's pretty high. I don't because, know how many stories, because but... I don't remember what it is, it but everything, every other building is below you. Yeah, that's... So, and in New York, that's quite a feat. Yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah. Well, in Vegas... I don't think you have to go looking for fun. Fun comes looking for you. <laughs> exactly. It seeks you out. So we may just be, well, we are ziplining. We're definitely doing, doing that. that. that That's that for I'm sure. definitely doing. <clears throat> I keep forgetting the name of the indoor street that you can do that in. But anyway, we're doing that for sure. It's the indoor street zipline <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, and I think we should do it at night too when, yeah, when everything, cool. when all the LEDs and mm-hmm. stuff are lit up. So, because they say you can do it up to like two in the morning or three so. in the morning. Yeah, that should be pretty. I think that'd fun. be a good time to do it after I visit a particular store. <laughs> You're just excited about legal weed. <laughs> I am. I've never been to a legal weed store. <laughs> I've had to rely on dudes all my life. Dudes. Yeah. Your weed dude. Yeah, I told you the one story about um, when I was like 19 and I was working at a paper factory, and I had to go get. Um, there's this guy because you were not working at a you worked at not, a, no 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 not like a newspaper distribution place not a paper mill I'm not sure I did I not know that about you that you were how long did you work at a it was just for the summer before I moved to South Carolina I don't Carolina. think I knew that it wasn't it was just like it like when you get when you see magazines in yeah. a store a convenience store I was one of the people that filled out I those orders I don't think you were okay well whatever that. sorry I did <laughs> yes okay I, I did you <laughs> and everybody else I worked with was obviously like you know this is Messina my small town mm-hmm. we're you know into their 20s and stuff so there's this one dude I'm like hey can you hook oh, me up oh he was the guy like can you hook me up with some some beer oh because oh, you're underage yeah, yeah. 
And I was just like, well, I'm at it. Like, it's Messina. I know everybody gets high. Like, can you hook me up with some weed? Mm-hmm. And he was just like, yeah. So I go to this dude's house. Oh, I think you may have told me this. Yeah. Part. I'm 19, okay? Uh-huh. It's definitely not my first time going to a weed dealer's house. Uh-huh. It would not be my last. <laughs> but anyway, like, I, I get there, and the one guy who was selling it, he worked at McDonald's. Okay. He's still in his McDonald's uniform. Okay. I think he was married to this other girl who was stoned out of her mind at the table. <sighs> sure, yeah. And, you know, the guy Glenn I work with is there, and they're all kind of hanging out, and I just had, like, a snapshot into, like, the future of my life. Oh, no! <laughs> it's just like, if I don't get the fuck out of this town, <sighs> I'm going to wind up like these three motherfuckers, Aww. like, just hanging out at some house that's probably rented. I'm sure it's not owned, because they worked at McDonald's. But anyway, the guy's name was Brian. Mm-hmm. He had some good shit, whatever. And I was just like, hey, you know, let me get your number in case I need to get in touch with you. Mm-hmm. So he gives me his number. Like, I don't I don't even look at it. I kind of leave the house and I, <laughs> I just start telling my buddy Richie, who is mm-hmm. unfortunately no longer yeah. with us, about the interaction. And I was like, well, here's the dude's number. And he looks at it and it says his guy's name is Brian. Mm-hmm. It's spelled brain. B-R-A-I-N. He couldn't even spell his own name. <laughs> and my buddy Richie just takes like the piece of paper it's written on and just throws it out the window. <laughs> oh no. Oh, but yeah, no. that was uh that was I need to get the fuck out of Messina. Otherwise, this is what's gonna happen to me. Well, and thankfully you had the choice to. A lot of people Yes, who I did. I got up, lucky. You yes. know, they they just don't have the choice to do exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. I'm guessing so. these three people probably didn't have the choice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, now I'm more depressed. Anyway, on to <laughs> something more cheery, like a disaster. Well, this is a this is a kind of a more complex one. So after last week's episode about um, the horrible crowd disaster that was the Love Parade of 2010. Yeah, which was really depressing. That we had to record twice. <laughs> yes. And talked about for like almost four hours. Yes. Like to the point if, where it's really depressing. If you listened to it twice, you voluntarily went through that. We had to record <laughs> it twice. Well, I guess we voluntarily went through it too, but yeah. it was because the first one it just it that just was wasn't working. Yeah. yeah. But um I thought we could use we usually do around Christmas we'll do a miracle sode. Mm-hmm. Remember the thread bow landslide, the yep. guy who survived the landslide? And the lady that survived the lone mm-hmm. survivor that fell from a plane right. out of the, the sky. The flight attendant, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was our first one. It was. Well, I thought we could use a little midsummer miracle sode. Sure. So I think that's what I'm going to build this one as. Now, I dropped a hint. Obviously, at this point, all of our listeners know the title of this episode. They may not recognize the actual disaster. But what was my hint that I gave on our discussion group? It was just a picture of the Jackson 5. Yes. I I don't know. My guess was it had something to do with Gary, Indiana. Yes. And and a lot of people had some really good guesses, really clever guesses. Um, Some were legit, like um, uh, relating to Gary or like certain fires or... um, um, uh, I think it was... Well, uh, well a guy I, I used to work with was from Gary, Indiana. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, someone guessed, uh, what flight 123, JAL123, easy as, you know, ABC easy as 123, which is <laughs> it's just smart. That was a really smart guess. Um, we already did that I think that, that might have been Allison. Yeah, that's exactly what yeah. she said. But, uh, but this is the story, the miracle sode story. Or, or the miracle story, whatever, about the Jackson Four. 
Okay. All right. So that's that's the title of this episode, which is why I put a picture of the Jackson 5 up, because the name bears a resemblance to the Jackson 5, right? It sounds kind of like once Michael died, they became the Jackson 4, right? Is he the only one of them that's dead? I don't know about, like, the obscure ones. I mean, Janet's yeah. around... But she, she wasn't. In, but she one. wasn't in the Jackson Five. No, I'm that's talking right. They the were Jackson all the five. brothers, right? Yeah. So Jermaine, Tito. No, Jermaine and Tito. That's kind of <laughs> that's, yeah, that's literally yeah. all I know. And the really abusive dad. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Michael, who apparently was also an abuser himself. Any hoodle. Yeah, we'll, we'll go off that one. Yeah. So on May twenty sixth, two thousand thirteen, a tugboat called the Jackson Four capsized and sank in the Gulf of Guinea, killing 11 of the 12 people on board. Okay. So now you know where the miracle said part is going to come in, right? Because we're we're only 11 of the 12, so. But the name of this boat was Jackson Jackson 4. But we'll get get into that a little bit, so, (laughs) as to why it was. And and to be clear, it is spelled J-A-C- S-O-N. No K. Okay. Um, and uh, because of the location, it might be pronounced the like... Jackson. Jackson or something yeah. like that. But anyway. Jackson 4. Maybe something like that. Jackson. All right. So we're going to start with our uh, old standby, Geography Corner. Yes. So this was in the Gulf of Guinea. Any hints? Is- Are we talking about uh, New Guinea? I'm close to it. Okay. I'm- Are we talking about like the South Pacific? Is that where we're talking about? No. No, Papua New Guinea is in Africa. Oh, okay. All right. I say confidently, though, now I'm starting to second <laughs> guess myself. No, it absolutely is. Okay. So, this capsizing took place in the Gulf of Guinea, which is off the coast of Nigeria in Africa. Okay. So, so if you picture the continent of Africa, right, it's got that bulge mm, to the west. I was just going to say Nigeria is on, well... Yes, it's on the west west coast. So, so you know where Africa sort of has a little right angle crook in. Yeah, on the, it's right in that little nook. Okay. Yeah, that's that's where the coastline of Nigeria is. So, yeah. Uh, for the rest of you, you can Google Map it <laughs> to get the visual. Uh, so now, very interestingly, or at least I think so, the intersection of the equator and the prime meridian is in the Gulf of Mexico. So the equator we know is that imaginary line mm-hmm. that cuts the earth in half, right? Northern and Southern hemispheres. The prime meridian is a, a quote, vertical line, a longitudinal line that runs from the North to the South Pole or South to North Pole, however you care to slice it, but only on one side of the earth. And the intersection of the prime meridian and uh, the equator is zero degrees latitude and zero degrees longitude. Mm -hmm. And everything is measured from there. From that on, yeah. Right? So zero degrees latitude and zero degrees longitude is in the Gulf of Guinea. Interesting. Yeah, I thought that was very um, interesting. There's, There's not a physical location there other than a buoy that marks that area. Oh, okay. You know, so... I thought that was pretty interesting. And there was a time that wasn't even there either. Yeah, that's well, well, that, because there was a time when we didn't have latitude and longitude, no. so there, there was that too. We've had it for quite a while. It's, oh, I it's, think so. It's. Uh, I feel it's, like that goes back to like Magellan or some shit. Oh yeah, um, yeah. It's pretty amazing how we figured out. Yeah. 
how people used to how people used to just be alive even like a couple hundred <laughs> years ago, I'm not even sure of. You know, I, I how, did, you ever, how did you live? <laughs> have you ever thought like it's a good thing that like different types of people with different talents make up the population of the world because if there was just a bunch of like me's we would just all, oh, all died out. <laughs> there was a bunch of me's, we'd be completely fucked. That's for sure. But we wouldn't have made it this far if there was this many me's. <laughs> but we would be doing very well at getting to 100% on Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> Did you do it? No, I'm not even close oh. yet. I'm still at like 90.9%. Well, it's that's, gonna, that's it's, pretty good. You no, are it's, close. It's going to take a while. There's quite a few things I need to do. <sighs> well, I'm looking forward to the increased number of hours you're playing Red Dead Redemption. Um, I would Red be Dead really, Redemption 2. Yes. I would be very good at doing everyone's taxes, but I wouldn't have been smart enough to come up with the tax system. So I certainly wouldn't have been smart enough to come up with the longitude and latitude oh, and same. how all that shit works. Like, I, still, I, I We'd don't be know. Like, we wouldn't have uh, but, but then again, figured out fire yet. But then again, you, you know the world you're born into. Mm-hmm. So, right about that, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm just really glad I was born into the world in the year of our Lord in 1977. <laughs> you know what? Me too. Even though it feels like the world is a shit show right now. Like we were kind of talking about this earlier. It's always a shit show. Pretty <laughs> like, much. There are times when it's not so much. Yep. But that's m- not most of the time. No, that so is not most of the time. It feels weird because like we kind of went through a peaceful time in the 90s and shit at least for us here in the US anyway let's not let's go on with the Jackson 4 <laughs> yes let's so the, and Jack- the lone survivor yes the Jackson 4 was a tugboat registered out of Nigeria um so that country in the in the nook of western africa there and the Jackson belonged to West African Ventures uh, that was the company, West African Ventures Limited, itself a subsidiary of Sea Trucks Group, which is a major global oil and gas company working off the coast of Nigeria. So West African Ventures, or WAV, was founded in the year of our Lord, 1977, which ah, you just mentioned. It was nice. born the same year as you. Yes. Yeah. So it provided... And, it, and has done almost as much damage as I have. <laughs> well, it provides... So here's the thing. West African Ventures itself is not an oil company. West African Ventures offers chartered small inland oil field vessels to major oil companies within the Niger Delta region of Nigeria. So they are diversified. Well, so I literally just read that bit from their website. Oh, okay. So let's let's dig into that bit. So the Niger Delta region, um, it's basically the southeastern coastal area of Nigeria, and it's it's a delta area. It's kind of like like if you picture the Mississippi Delta, or I, I was picturing like um, the bayous of uh, sure like Louisiana a little bit, like mangroves, kind of marshy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very low lying, very wet, coastal, and it's also a place where the Niger River, a major river, is running into the Gulf of Guinea. And the delta is pretty big. It's about seventy thousand square kilometers, or twenty seven thousand square miles. Remember. Africa's massive. Oh, yeah. Maps never do Africa justice, how huge it is. So, um... No, I, I think they do, but I, I just think... No, they don't. If you... Have you ever done that um, that map where you can drag different countries yeah. and see how they... Like, the Con- entire... Continents, you mean? 
No, no countries. Okay. Like you can drag the United States and see where it fits like within Africa. Basically, the entire United States barely takes up the northern part of Africa. Africa is huge. Yeah. Like I, huge. Yeah, no, but I mean huge. <laughs> I've always thought as Africa, the continent as yes, a very big place. I know, but I don't feel like maps show that perspective. 2D ma- maps don't show that perspective. It makes the US look Eh, close-ish to Africa in size. I guess I'm just not seeing what you're seeing, but that's okay. Okay. <laughs> I've always thought, yeah, right. it's Africa. Okay. It looks okay. pretty big to me. So the maybe, maybe individual countries not so much because Africa is very much carved up. Well, but yeah, but the U.S. is a country. That's what I mean. When <clears throat> no, I'm I know. Saying, okay. Yeah. So uh, the oil industry is huge. No. Huge in the Niger Delta region. Nigeria itself is the largest oil and gas producer in the entire continent of Africa. And this is where most of African oil is produced from. And again, Africa is huge. So that's pretty significant. Oil speculation in the Niger Delta began back in the early 20th century by the Nigerian Bitumen Bitumen Corporation. They dug for years, eventually stopping at the beginning of World War One. Like, that caused a lot of things to stop, right? As I almost spilled my beer. Oh, what are we drinking today? How, what's our percentage here? It oh, is- it's a 9.5. This should go so well. <laughs> this is our victory golden monkey. Basically, I'm I'm looking to get shit-faced tonight. Let's keep, let's continue. Um, Just don't spill it. <laughs> so, they hadn't. By the time they stopped, because of World War I, stopped, stopped drilling, um, they still didn't really find much of commercial value, significance, sure. right? In order to to be able to be commercially viable, you can't just hit on a little oil. You need to hit a good uh, gusher, as they say, right? Eventually, larger companies took over oil speculation in the region, specifically Specifically, this is going so well. The Darcy Exploration Company and Whitehall Petroleum, neither of them found commercially viable oil in the area, so they turned in their licenses. They're like, we're done. I'm just going to move this over okay, here. Okay, because I'm gesturing very wildly, <laughs> I know. Yes. In 1937, Shell Darcy Petroleum Development Company of Nigeria took over speculation. So this was basically a conglomerate operation between Shell and British Petroleum, or BP. Ah, two, two, big, two very responsible companies who have never done anything wrong. And also huge, right? So I'll stop saying that. I thought it was cute. It's not cute. It's just obnoxious. Uh, but you're right that... Uh, well, we have not covered the we've we've covered Exxon, one of Exxon's uh, many transgressions, just mm-hmm. not BP yet. Um, Emily will help us out. With that. We'll get to that one day. Yes, uh, and obviously those are still two big names in oil today, like two of the biggest, right? And we'll get to another one before this story is out. So, I bet we will. So they finally started, even though they got. Uh, their license for exploration in 1937, it took them another uh, 14 years to start drilling. They finally started drilling in 1951, found some small pockets of oil a couple years later in 1953, then finally in 1956, they hit on a commercially viable 
oil source. So, and then the government was taken over, and <laughs> well, so this is the very short version. Yeah. So, in spite of the huge success with oil in the following decades, any guesses who mainly profited from the industry? I'm just gonna was go the out. People of Nigeria. I'm just gonna go out a limb and say it was the oil companies and. The Nigerian government. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Nigerian government officials are the majority shareholders for profits created off of oil production. Yeah, but of they Nigerian are. oil. Yeah. The, the, basically, the citizens of Nigeria are seeing zero benefit from their country being a cash cow of oil. So, and then to add insult to injury, according to the Nigerian government itself, so they're actually being transparent about their um, corruption here, there have been more than seven thousand oil spills in this region between 1970 and 2000 and massive damage has been done to the natural environment as a result yeah it's 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 bad i I did watch something earlier tonight on um uh on oil companies and how they have fixed governments worldwide Mm. starting with our friend uh john d rocket rockefeller which we saw in the men who built america and it really like for for the first time i was really like i think for the next car i'm gonna get a tesla well or an electric (laughs) or a hybrid or something like 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 i can't take any more of this shit yeah like i can't keep contributing to this. Right. Thank so. You. I'm so glad you've come around to that because we kind of talked about that before and you were a little bit meh about getting that wasn't meh, but I you just, I just, I, I, I did enjoy my Jetta, even though that's a company that fudged their diesel engine line. You mean if by fudged, you mean lied directly that too, <laughs> but it really made me think of like, what the fuck are we doing? We're, we're fucking over our entire planet. <laughs> is what we're doing. Yeah. For nothing. <laughs> For ourselves, for fucking selfish, stupid, petty. Yeah, it's like it's not a it, hundred years ago. Okay, I kind of get it. Mm-hmm. Things were new, um, and it's not like oil will ever be completely derived from the plant because oil is in a lot of products, and you need it for certain things, and that's you, that's you okay. You mean eliminated from yes. the planet? Yeah. 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 Um, but as far as transportation, we, we are can, we're we, at we the know point how to do better. We're at the point as a species yeah. where we're we're be, we're beyond that. So anyway, that yeah. was my that was my little diatribe. Well done, I'm with you on that. <laughs> but I can't afford a Tesla, so I'm not getting one. <laughs> no, we could we could figure it out. They're they're getting more. Aren't, what about the base model one? Isn't that only That's like, like forty grand? I thought it was closer to like twenty five or thirty for some reason. <laughs> no, they're not going to be there for a while. They will eventually, though. <laughs> well, then we we'll just hold out on White Lightning for as long as we can. I don't know how much longer I can do that. <laughs> you can do it as long as we need to. Yeah. Anyway. So West Africa Ventures. Back to the lovely joys of oil production. Yes. West Africa Ventures is one of the companies that created a niche for themselves in the wake of the oil industry. So they are not directly oil producers, right? They they have, they're an ancillary service. So they charter small vessels to oil companies for various reasons. And one of its bigger clients is the Chevron Corporation. Ah, so there's our other that big small name. mom and pop shop. Yeah, you know, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Chevron. Yeah, they, they produce a barrel of oil a day. Grandpappy <laughs> Chevron, yeah, right. Transporting oil has become pretty risky business in this region in recent times. It has all over the world, really. Well, in recent times, one of the biggest concerns to those producing oil in the Nigerian Delta and offshore in the Gulf of Guinea is any guesses? 
Well, the way it's transported, or is that... Well, what's the biggest risk to producing oil in the Nigerian Delta? I guess I'm not exactly sure what you're asking. Okay. Piracy. Oh, On okay. Seas piracy, I see what you mean. Right? Okay. Like, the cargo is so valuable. Sure. So, by 2018, so just last year... I thought you meant in the transportation itself. Well, it, that is a risk. Piracy is a risk of the transportation. I thought you meant the mode of transportation. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah, ma'am. So by last year, uh, Nigeria would become cited as the number one location in the world for maritime piracy attacks. Sweet. Let's go. <laughs> to be the pirates or to be the victims? I'm not sure what you're trying to say. I think it would be fun to be the pirate for once. No. 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 So as of the, I wouldn't know how to be a pirate anyway. So I guess you just. Well, if you want to be stereotypical, you wear an eye patch and have a parrot, but that doesn't seem very helpful. It no, actually modern seems, day modern day pirates have AK forty sevens, but I but I don't know how to fire one of like, those. Like um, Captain Phillips, right? That was mm-hmm. the Somali yeah, pirates, they were pirates, which was a, yeah. a big deal a while back. I mean, I'm sure it still goes on, but yeah, we so, have a we have a trope of what a pirate a, looks right, like. Right, a quote trope. Yeah, pirating is an actual thing. Well, and that's the thing. So, as of the year this disaster takes place, 2013, there was an average of about a hundred piracy incidents per year Jesus in the Gulf of Guinea. That's not nothing. No, that's once now, every couple a, of days. Right now, there's a lot of a lot of vessels going on. So your your risk of being the one vessel might be relatively limited, but it's not nothing. That's for sure. We have a much better chance of safely ascending or uh, descending the stratosphere than somebody uh, navigating the Nigerian Delta or the Gulf of Guinea without being pirated. Pretty sure a person isn't killed every couple of days jumping from the stratosphere. Right. (laughs) Or they would have stopped it a long time ago. That would have been over. Or would it have been? Well, (laughs) so piracy is thought to have flourished in this area because in in addition to the valuable cargo of oil, there are inland security issues provide or prioritized above maritime ones so the government is looking in well, one direction I, I was right? just gonna say let's let's face it like not a stable government either right like and, that's gonna play and, into and it. they're prioritizing like the shit that's going down inside the country instead of the stuff that's going on in open they're, water they're prioritizing money well that too yeah. and additionally well yes government corruption poorly yeah. developed anti-piracy laws are other issues but Poverty is a major issue in the area, which I know is not a shock when we're talking about West Africa, and that drives more people to desperate actions like piracy. It's like, shit, I have to feed my family, I can make a shit ton of money if I pirate the ship, so yeah. in America, And America is just called being a crack dealer. Yeah, there's a, a lot of other shit that people get driven to in different countries, right? This just happens to be one of the opportunities available in a place like yeah, the Gulf you, of and you, you don't have to show up for an interview or be at the job at a necessarily. You don't have to set an alarm clock. <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of hustle that goes into. Uh, oh, I'm sure there is, but but you know, um, illegal professions. Oh hell yeah, a lot of work, a lot of work. Those people are entrepreneurs. Just yes, they unfortunately, are. Actually, yes, they are. You're correct about, about that. Unfortunately, just in a in a way that could potentially be harmful to others. So yes. No. All right, so let's talk about the Jackson Four. Now, I'm going to read this exactly as I wrote it. Minus Michael. I'm going to read this exact, this sentence exactly as I wrote it. The MV, which stands for motor vessel, Jackson 4, not to be confused with the Jackson 5, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time I realized it. Was one of the ships employed 
by WAV, West African Ventures. Now, from what I could tell, most of WAV's ships are named the Jackson and then a subsequent number. So there was literally the Jackson 20, the Jackson 37, the Jackson 2, the Jackson... So I'm guessing you're going to get into how they fell on the Jackson? I couldn't... So there were certain aspects to the story that were actually very difficult to find. Anyone who has ever criticized me for just reading a Wikipedia article, fuck you, because I (laughs) looked up so much shit for this one. There's like two lines in German Wikipedia for this. So I did my damnedest on this and fuck you anyway. Okay. The Jackson 4 was a 471 gross ton tugboat and was, now this is length by width by height that I'm about to give, okay? Okay. 31.32 meters by 11.4 meters by 4.96 meters. So in feet, that's 103 feet by 37 and a half feet by 16 feet. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like a tugboat. Yeah, okay. Regular regular (laughs) dimensions. Okay. I don't know what the regular dimensions are. Well, they're... uh, long and fat, but not very okay. tall. Okay, I gotcha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sturdy. Yes. yes. And it was built in China. Um, now, and I believe it was built in 2004 or launched in 2004. Okay. Now, we have mentioned tugboats before. Remember yes, we have. Um, the Exxon Valdez? I was, well, there no, was that. No. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exxon Valdez. Because it, it had been. Um, navigated well, it at had the straits initially. From a tugboat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't really the cause of mm-mm, the... Mm-mm. The tugboat came into play on the... Was the MS Express Semina? No, that was a ferry. Came into play I on think. something we did. The one in the St. Lawrence. Oh, um... <laughs> I don't remember the that, name of that one. That, that one. one. That oh, thing. that one. Yes, that one. <laughs> Guys, when we The say, Empress of Ireland. Yes. Yes. When we say we forget the shit, we say, like, the next week we're not kidding. <laughs> At least I'm not kidding. So, anyway. Well, at this point, we've done so many. Like, I can't even. There, I know. There are people who are listening that more know more details of it than we do at this point. Easy. And, and we did the research on it. <laughs> Easy. This is episode 108. Holy 108. Shit. Okay. So, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, tugboats are basically, like... There are a couple of things they can literally, hence the name, tug ships out to sea, right? Like help them navigate narrower passages. They're, they're generally they were generally used just to get a ship of a certain size just out of port. That's that's part. That's yeah. one thing they can do. Um, they can uh, in certain just instances, get them going a little bit. Yeah, or navigate them yeah. out of a a, a narrow situation. Um, they can do this by either a tow line. Or in some cases, apparently by actually physically pushing them, which mm-hmm. is interesting. Um, and they can also be stabilizers, which we'll get into oh. in, in a bit. So, And because their, uh, their missions are so heavy duty, like you said, tugboats are strong ships. They're stout mm-hmm. ships, right? Um, and be- because they're meant to be smaller in size than what they're trying to control, the ships they're trying to influence, right? Um, but have to have a lot of power for their size oh, yeah. as well. So um, tugboats typically tow vessels. Oh, wait, I already said that. Blah, 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 blah. And uh, one of the reasons that tugboats are used in... Um, uh, 
places like uh, the Gulf of Guinea where there's a lot of oil production is because some barges are not self-propelling. And oil oh, sure. barges, well, yeah, right? That makes so sense. in yeah. some cases they're towing barges. That so, makes sense. So, so the Jackson 4, owned by WAV, was employed or chartered by oil companies that needed the services of a tugboat for their barges and other vessels. And so now let's get into our actual disaster, the capsizing of the Jackson 4. So I cannot for the life of me find out when the Jackson actually went out on its voyage, like was deployed. Um, And that's probably because the bulk of what is easily found on this disaster is everything that I'm about to say, like the rest of the story. So um, this part gets left out, it seems. So I'm not entirely sure. From contextual clues, it seems like they deployed maybe on May 24th, 2013, but more likely like late-ish um, or during the day, maybe on May 25th, 2013. Now, what is known for sure is there was a crew of 12 on board, mostly Nigerian. I believe the captain was, damn it, I didn't write it down. I think Dutch or okay. something like that. Sounds like a name of a captain. <laughs> no, like he was. I'm kidding. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Just had to make sure. <laughs> no, the, the the main uh antagonist or protagonist, however you want to see him, in uh mm-hmm. Red Dead Redemption 2 is also named Dutch. Oh, so okay. that's that's why I was saying I gotcha. Dutch Vanderland. Very cute. So the only person I on board who I could find like a name on or anything, and why we know his name will be made clear very shortly, was 29-year-old Harrison Ojegba Okene. So he was a Nigerian man from the town of Wari in the Niger Delta, who was the cook. Oh, on board. Okay. Okay. So he was a member of the crew. The Jackson 4 was contracted by WAV's biggest client, Chevron, to help stabilize, along with two other tugboats, an oil tanker that was being loaded up at SBM 3, which is a loading point in the Gulf of Guinea, about 30 kilometers or like 18 and a half miles off the shore of Nigeria. So from what I can tell, SBM stands for Single Buoy Moorings, which is the name of a company that designs, builds, and maintains floating production, storage, and offloading vessels. Okay. Like floating docks, kind of, right? All the offshore drilling shit, they make the shit that makes the shit possible. That that was sounds, not helpful. But it sounds like a good uh sounds like a good advertisement. We make the shit, shit that, that makes, makes shit, the shit possible. possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what is that uh, it's like BASF. Oh, what was We don't make the things you use. Oh, we that's make right. the things that make, make the, the things, things or whatever yeah. the fuck. <laughs> Right, yeah. Oh no, we make the things better or something, something like that. Like yeah. That. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we make the shit that makes, makes the, the shit, shit better. Is, is better. They should is use better. that on ad. So I couldn't tell the exact time. Uh oh wait, I already said that. Like in general or just for this incident? Well, just for life. <laughs> I have a hard time telling time. <laughs> <laughs> I already said this stuff. That's why I just wrote it differently. Anyway, so the tanker, the oil tanker that the Jackson Four was set out to stabilize, was having was needing to be stabilized because of the conditions in the Gulf of Guinea at the time. So the area was getting pounded by a big rainstorm, 
and the seas were experiencing massive swells and large destructive waves. So and, and Jack Sparrow was out there lurking around somewhere. <laughs> that that's more the that's more the pirate image, yeah. modernish pirate. He's image the only pirate I could think pirates, of. Yeah. yeah, Jack Sparrow with an AK forty-seven. Well, so so it needed to be stabilized because they were loading. I mean this. This work is going on rain or shine, right? Oh, yeah. And there's it, no... It's there's not, no stopping yeah. for... Unless it's... A, no. I mean, it would have to be incredibly extreme. This, so. is, this is manufacturing and production, mm-hmm. which is what I work in. And it happens. There is always no somebody mm-hmm. working where I work. Yep. There is somebody right now. It's yep. fucking 11.38 at night. Mm-hmm. I will be one of those people in the next couple of weeks. Yeah. yeah uh, right. But there's... Uh, Couple dozen people where I work at least right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So produ- once you start a production and manufacturing you company, mm-hmm. you don't shut it down for it's twenty four seven. Yep. So three sixty five. <laughs> what was it? Uh, Michael Scott said uh, t- they've been working. T- the party planning committee has been working twenty four seven all day yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so so they were. Loading oil onto this tanker from this, uh, like, I'll call it a floating dock. That's not what it really was. It was called SBM-3, but it was a a loading point off the Gulf of Guinea, or in the Gulf of Guinea, off the coast of Nigeria. So so it would be the Jackson 4's responsibility... Kind of sounds like a different singing group. I don't know. It'd be the Jacksons' responsibility to fix a line on the tanker along with two other tugboats to protect it from capsizing. So, ironically, they were trying to prevent this big oil tanker from capsizing, losing who knows how many dollars and gallons of oil into the Gulf of Guinea. So around, and there were some conflicting reports around this, but around 4.50 a.m. local time on Sunday, May 26, 2013, the Jackson, remember it was bad conditions on the sea, the tugboats were trying to stabilize the oil tanker. Well, the tugboats were in rough conditions too, like sea conditions. So the Jackson was hit on the side by an enormous wave. Which so side? It's a huge sw- What? Which side? I don't know. I, I couldn't oh, find out. Okay. Like we we have gone into our shipping side. No, before. I know, I know, and I remember that port is left, mm-hmm. and it's for, the other one is right. <laughs> stern. Uh, st- no, no. Starboard. Starboard. Stem. Stern. stern bow. Well, it's stem then. Stem. There's to stern. no stem. We'll clean stem it. To stem to stern. That's a that's a saying. Is it? Yes. You've never heard that. Let's move on. <laughs> So I, I don't know that information. I couldn't. But your left, in. your left side is port facing the ship, mm-hmm. or when you're on the ship facing out, bow. Is port, and bow is ahead. Left is the mm-hmm. port, bow is ahead. And starboard is on your right. Yeah, and the stern's behind you. Mm-hmm. That would also mean the stem is in front of you, apparently. I guess. So I, I don't know the side. There was to fill in the information I just gave you. It took a lot of work because. <laughs> I know it doesn't seem like it, but but it again this this doesn't have a ton of information in one place. I had to look all over and I could not find out which which side it got hit on. Um, Either but, way, it sounds like it took a took quite a shot. Well, the power of the wave cracked the hull oh, and yeah. flipped the ship on its side. Holy so it was initially shit. just flipped yeah. all the way over on its side. That's not good. Now. 
It is thought that eight members of the crew remained in their cabins where they had locked themselves inside for piracy fears. Like, it, they were sleeping, essentially, because it was, like, four or something in the morning. I see. But they, uh, yes. So they, they were in their cabins, locked in, um, to just in case somebody came on board, they would be protected, right? In their cabin. Um, that is likely where they remained during yeah. the caps, eventual capsizing yeah. it and drowned. The remaining four crew members ran for the emergency hatch in the hallway of the Jackson, which I'm picturing it was a little hard to tell, but I'm picturing it was like below deck. Probably. Uh, yeah. When a huge wall of water flooded the area and swept away three of the four men. And it's thought that they likely died either immediately or soon thereafter. Yeah, so we're talking I mean, about 11 people pretty much the, dead on site. The ocean sea is a very unforgiving place. It's horrible. The only thing, I mean, drowning is not a pleasant death. No. It, it definitely is not. It does happen quickly. It doesn't sound like they had much time to recover. So um, at least they weren't, like, remember the... Um, Oh, God, the fairy that was going in the, um, <laughs> really can't remember shit about anything we've ever done before. In, uh, like, around Norway. I remember the episode. people had to, like, climb over each well, other people shit. Had, like, it was it a turn, fight for survival. It turned into the Hunger Games. Yeah. On a, the, on a ship. The, that didn't happen here. No. It just didn't happen here. So, now, normally I would switch to rescue efforts here, and I used the wrong here. I literally put H-E-A-R. I was typing way too fast. Anyway. It's okay. It's okay. But we're going to mix it up a little and talk about our friend, the Jackson 4's intrepid cook, Harrison O'Kenney. Let's do it. Basically, the rest of our story is going to be about Harrison. That's where the miracle soap comes in. Okay. So, spoiler alert. So, Harrison was the fourth man in that hallway who saw the three other crew members get swept away by the wave. He somehow did not get swept away by that wave. Uh, he had been in the... So, Harrison's a cook, right? He is used to early mornings. So, it was 4.50 in the morning. He had gotten up, and this is literally right before the wave hit. He gets up out of his cabin... He's in his underwear, literally just in his underwear, right? Because he just came out of uh, out of bed. He goes into the bathroom, and he is literally sitting on the toilet when this fucking wave hits. Like, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that was his situation at the point. Can you fucking imagine? Talk about shitting yourself. <laughs> well, I guess I, I shouldn't say he was definitely sitting on the toilet. He may have been standing next to it. Whatever. Anyway. It's he more was, funny if you're just sitting on it. He was in the jaunt. At the time. Um, so the wave hit. He managed to make his way out of the bathroom, like pulled up his shorts, went into the hallway, saw his three friends get swept into the water. He said he knew right away that they were goners. So I can't even imagine that like well, fucking if something shock. Like, if something like that happens, you just yeah. know that there's just almost no chance. It'd be horrific. What this guy, <clears throat> we haven't even started Harrison's ordeal. So okay. let's keep going. So Harrison, even though he had managed to avoid being swept away to sea by that horrible wave or slammed against a wall, drowned, whatever horrible thing could have happened to him, he um, he survived, but he was still trapped below deck 
in that oh, hallway. Oh, sure. Well, yes. Yeah. So Plus, the ship is flipped over on its side. It's on its side, right. So he um, managed to sort of struggle up the sideways hallway with water just shooting in. He passed a bulkhead and got into the officer's cabins area on the ship. At some point along the way, he had managed to grab a life jacket and two flashlights. So now this is one of those stories where accounts differ in multiple details. But that was one thing that I saw come up a couple of times. Although, interestingly, the life jacket never comes up again. So I'm not sure about that. Maybe he lost it. I I, I well, don't know. I'm guessing that's part of the reason he made it through this. Well, no, actually. No? Okay. So the Jackson, uh, or so, okay. So the water pounded against him and swept him into, <laughs> poor guy, yet another bathroom. Okay. <laughs> this guy spent so much time in bathrooms. Yeah. It, and the, but this was a different bathroom. It was the bathroom off the captain's cabin. Oh, but so he was, was just nice kind of slammed into the the um, bathroom and off the captain's cabin. And at that point, the Jackson 4 rolled over completely upside down. So it wasn't on its side anymore. Now it was it's upside just frickin', down. Yeah. It was right. And Harrison remained in the bathroom as the floor became the ceiling, and the ship literally began just sinking like a rock down to the bottom of the Gulf of Guinea. Now, somehow, because of where he was, how the water had entered the cabin, Harrison Okene was shocked to find he had an air pocket at the top of the bathroom. He was able to hang on to the bottom of the sink, which was now the top of the sink, and was able to keep his head above water in a several-foot large, or several... Um, I think it was 13 and a half cubic meters was estimated size. Okay. Air bubble. As the Jackson floor plummeted to the bottom of the Gulf about 100 feet or 335 meters below. Harrison's air bubble remained. And he was literally trapped at the bottom of the ocean. Holy shit. 100 fucking feet in the bottom of the sea. This guy's trapped in the water with, like, his head sticking out into this fucking air bubble. Wow. Yeah. And we've just started his whole story. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because of the time this was, remember, all Jackson, or Jackson, I keep calling him Jackson, Harrison, Harrison, they're they're similar sounding names, you see. Harrison was only wearing his underwear, and he was at the bottom of the ocean. This was cold-ass water. So he was very cold in his skivvies in the water. He also knew his oxygen was limited, right? I mean, anytime you have a, a, a cordoned-off area of, of oxygen, it's not going to last you forever. He was basically like in a watery grave, mm-hmm. right? With just, just limited oxygen. Um, he, and he knew he couldn't struggle too long to keep his head above water. He would consume more oxygen faster that way, right? And then he would start to asphyxiate as his breathable air was being replaced by carbon dioxide because he's having to exhale too, right? So he decided to hold his breath and swim into the pitch dark mind, right? 
With I mean, he yeah. had a couple flashlights, which yeah. is probably how he managed to do anything in the first place. Um, but he decided to hold his breath and swim into the adjoining captain's cabin. And he managed to find, after several trips back and forth, because he kept having to come up for air, well, obviously. Sure. Yeah. He managed to find, like, a mattress and a couple other things. And he basically fashioned a raft that could keep most of his upper body out of the water. Like, yeah. This is hardcore. Uh, and that helped him. That helped him warm up a little bit, so he wasn't completely submerged in this in this cold water. At some point along this whole story, and I couldn't find when he got this, but he did manage to also get a bottle of Coke. So, okay. So he did have some non seawater, which drinking seawater well, is a drink, horrible yeah, idea. Yeah, you can't drink seawater anyway. We t- we touched on that in the Indianapolis uh, USS Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll, it'll dehydrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he, imagine, you're like, I'm just a fucking cook, dude. And you're sitting there in your homemade raft, like in this tiny air bubble, in a fucking upside down bathroom, a hundred feet, the bottom of the ocean, like hearing your own breath suck out all the oxygen Mm -hmm. from the room. That's my sound that describes what that would be like. So, as Harrison remained trapped in his little underwater prison, he started hearing sounds of various marine mammals and animals swimming nearby and seeing nothing. He's just hearing this shit. He managed to get a hold of a plank of some sort to arm himself. Like, he was like, shit, I don't know if a shark's going to come and get me or something, so I better be ready to, like, fight something off. At one point, he heard thrashing sounds that sounded like larger fish fighting over something big, and he was pretty sure that that was some fish fighting over one of his dead crewmates. Probably. At at the very least, that's where his mind was going. Mm -hmm. If not in reality, that's what was happening. So, Um, And then his flashlights quickly ran out within a few hours. So he was pitch dark, freezing cold, raft, bottle of Coke, hearing your own breath. And by this point, Harrison, understandably, had very little hope for survival. Uh, His skin was peeling from the salt water. He was extremely hungry and thirsty. And he later recounted, again, spoiler alert, but fortunately we know this, this ends well for him. Quote, at that point, I was very scared. I said, so this is how I'm going to die? What would happen to my wife? So she will become a widow? I don't even have a child yet. What about my mother and everybody I love? So I'll never see them again? End quote. So, the Mayday signal of the Jackson 4 was received immediately as it capsized. capsized. Plus, remember, there's two other tugboats and a giant oil barge in the region. So people knew this thing went down. Exactly. Like, immediately. There was no lag time. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, because of how bad the sea conditions were, they really couldn't do a whole lot immediately, That's even though they too. knew about it. It would just have well, added more bodies to the. I was just going right? to say, if you're trying to bring in people to rescue in a situation that's fishy to begin with, it's most likely going to attribute to more people dying. Exactly, exactly. Um, so as soon as it was safe, uh, rescuers were deployed to the site. I'm not sure how long that took. Um 
again, that was a little tricky to figure out the timeline exactly, but a group of South African divers with the Dutch company DCN, uh, DCN Diving, who had been working about 120 kilometers or 75 miles away, were sent to the Jackson 4 and what began what was by then more of a recovery mission than a rescue mission, right? Because, like, who could survive that? Oh, um, I'm a little late in this, but this is the Jackson 4, just to get a picture. You can even okay. see Jackson 4 oh, yeah. right there. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I'll try to remember to put those pictures up on Instagram. All right. So the divers found the site. I mean, again, it was witnessed, so it was pretty easy to find where it had gone down. And they managed to recover four of the crew members' bodies. So they were successfully recovering. That was what they were looking to do. They continued their recovery missions into... So this all happened early morning, May 26th, right? They were continuing their recovery mission into the evening of May 28th. Okay. Two and a half days after the capsizing. So as they carried on their search, their efforts made noise on the ship, which was heard by Harrison Okene. That's right. Our friend Harrison was still alive, still trapped, and definitely still running out of oxygen in his little air bubble. A solid 60 hours this man had to stay in there. 60 fucking hours, slowly dying and knowing it. Yeah, fuck that. Yep. After the ship sank. Uh, Now, given the area of oxygen he had access to, later on calculations were made uh, that carbon dioxide toxicity would begin to set in after 56 hours. So he was probably starting to feel like basically you're slow, you're slowly asphyxiating, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And death by carbon dioxide toxicity would likely um, result by hour 79. So this glimmer of hope was really arriving in the nick of time. Because once he started feeling lightheaded, like chances are he would have passed out before he yeah. would have even yeah. um, gotten asphyxiated and then he would Hopefully. have drowned. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Right? So because of the type of sound it was, Harrison knew it was people, right? And not just like uh, more fish or whatever. And it was like a tapping sound on, on the ship he described it as. So he, he knew it was divers. Like he was like, this is people. And he knew that he needed to get their attention. So somehow he was able to procure, like if he swam around, I'm not sure how he got it, but he got a water dispenser, pulled the filter from it and started banging on the wall of the bathroom. Uh, Harrison eventually caught a glimpse of a headlamp on the other side of the captain's cabin, but the diver it belonged to initially didn't see him. Eventually the diver swam nearby and Harrison was able to reach out and tap him on the back of the neck. Which must have freaked that fucking diver out. Everything that happens next, I'm describing from a video. Oh, okay. That we can watch because this is all... I'm literally about to describe what happens on the video, right? So, yes, <laughs> I'm sure the guy was the guy was pretty freaked out. Um, so, the diver saw Harrison's hand. Remember, this is dark, murky water. Oh, yeah, you're 100... Uh, if, 
anybody's never gone swimming before, I don't know, but if you've ever been in an ocean, lake, whatever, a natural body of water. The, the light you, runs out. <laughs> uh, within like 10 feet. Yeah. Uh, like even less than that. You can't see shit. Well, imagine when do you start losing sight of the bottom? You know, it doesn't take that long if you're swimming on the surface. A lot of times you can't even, you don't even know where the hell the bottom is. Yeah, because yeah. the light, I, mm-hmm. I, I, honestly, I would say maybe after like five or six feet, there's no more light. Yeah. You can't it see anything. Out very quick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's literally, and this video is amazing, and I'll make sure to post it and we'll watch it too. But like, there's just this hand. So the, the diver has like a, a headlamp camera. Sure. You he's know? Pro, he's like got a, a GoPro. GoPro. Yeah. yeah. And there's literally like this hand. And that's all you see is just the hand, like the wrist and the hand. And you're also getting the record in the video. You're getting the recording of the diver and of like mission control or whatever, whoever's leading the dive. And you hear the guy say, corpse, corpse, corpse. Remember, he's felt this little tap on the neck. He turns around and he sees what he thinks is a body. That's awful. It's probably pretty terrifying. So he's like, corpse, corpse, corpse. Because all he's seeing is a hand. So Yeah. Yeah. So he reaches out to the hand and the hand grabs oh his hand. Oh my god, hand. that must have scared the fuck out of and him. And he said, "It's a, he's alive, he's alive, he's <laughs> alive. So Harrison was actually, in a couple of accounts, they said that he was afraid to scare this guy. He didn't yeah, want him to like, react well, with a knife no or something. No shit! That's yeah. what I, if I was the diver, that's what yeah. I would have done. Fortunately, yeah. that did not happen. <laughs> Thankfully, I was not the diver. So the diver and Harrison pop up into this air bubble and literally there is footage of this poor guy Harrison sitting on his little raft like looking about as exhausted and stunned as you can imagine a human being like looking he just looks done and and you can imagine that's exactly and he, and how he, you would feel and he is done yes yes so now our recovery mission has turned back into a, a rescue. rescue mission yeah so the diver gave Harrison water to rehydrate. Remember, he had a bottle of Coke for 60 hours and couldn't. And, and like, even just from absorption, like his electrolytes yeah. were all shot You're to all hell. So yeah. it was not good. Harrison complained about being cold. Like he says, like, shit, I'm cold. Um, and they they were like, OK, get fucking out of the water. Go, go back to your little mattress raft area. So he did. And they were like, we need to get him out. So they made very quick work of of rescuing him. I mean, they were going to anyway, but they realized how dire it was. So knowing Harrison's oxygen was rapidly running out, uh, they gave him a diving helmet with sure. oxygen. Sure, I was going to say, that's probably the first thing they're going to do. Yeah, he struggled a little bit. It kind of looks in the video like he almost passes out at one point, which makes sense. I can't imagine. The fact that he hadn't passed out and just drowned sooner is amazing. So... The the diving team, I think it was the lead. I think it was the guy, like, talking through the diver. Because there were two voices. There was, like, well, three, really. There was Harrison's voice, which was sort of picked up in a weird way on his microphone. It sounds super high-pitched and strange. It was just probably because of the recording mechanism. There was the diver himself, and then there was, like, the main guy whose voice was much clearer. So, um... The that guy, the guy like who was talking through the diver, explained by the microphone that he would be getting him home and asked his name. And and that's when Harrison introduced himself. He said it was Harrison. And they asked his rank, and Harrison said he was a cook. And the diving lead said, quote, they always survive. <laughs> so that was fun. <laughs> so um the lead had introduced himself as Colby. 
And the diver was Nico. Colby explained, like, look, we're going to get you out of here. We're going to get you out via a diving bell. Okay. So... so we covered a diving bell in one of Akshay's exactly. Stories. We're going to get to that in just a second. So Nico led Harrison to safety into the diving bell, and when Harrison, he's like, "Okay, are you in there? Are you okay?" Harrison gave him a thumbs up to indicate that he was all right. And Colby said, "Quote, good job, my friend. Well done. You're a survivor." End quote. So yes, we have mentioned diving bells in Akshay, the Bifur Dolphin. Disaster. That was on his show, though, not ours. But yes. didn't he guest on our show for the uh, for the molasses flood? Oh, that's right. Okay, oh. so yes, that so was on unle- next, so that was on Blood on the Rocks. So unless people have heard that on okay. his show, well, do listen to it. Absolutely. Yeah. So really quick, just to kind of recap, a diving bell is like a, a submarine chamber that is designed to control pressure to allow divers to be lowered or and or raised from uh, deep waters without experiencing decompression right. sickness, the bends, rapid decompression. So now this, I literally just looked up on Explain Like I'm Five on Reddit. <laughs> uh, the bends or decompression sickness occurs because nitrogen gas in the blood is kept under pressure or when it's kept under pressure and we know the farther you go down into water the harder the oh the, the pressure the greater is, the pressure gets yes. right so it pressurizes the nitrogen in your blood uh, basically keeps it dissolved in the blood so if you pop up to the surface too quick that gas just expands too quickly and it can really fuck you up um and how anybody was even able to figure this shit out? Like I you know. have nitrogen in your blood. Again, and if, the cer- if a, it was fucking, all a bunch of me's, we wouldn't yeah, have ever figured it out. We'd all be dead. So it can cause pain, convulsions. It can block proper blood flow, organ function. And yes, it can kill you. And, and, it's, because, and it's also the name of Radiohead's second album. <laughs> yes, it is. Before they went all shit techno or electronic or No, they, they went for that a little bit in their next album, OK Computer, which was a fantastic album, and then they just went full on uh, outer space music Okay, from there on out. So there is there is the good Radiohead and the bad Radiohead. Okay. Keep that in mind, folks. <laughs> so because Harrison had been so deep underwater for so long, a rapid descent would have just killed him. And well, they knew yes. that. Oh, yeah. So they knew that they couldn't oh, yeah. do that. So poor Harrison... So, he had been trapped underwater in this tiny chamber for 62 hours, I think was the grand total. He had to decompress in a tiny decompression chamber for another 60 hours. This Did point, he really? No That's shit. That's how long it took to get decompressed. Wow. Yeah. So, can you imagine? I mean, you're well, like, okay, hey, I'm, but I'm he's alive. Safe. But can you imagine how fucking eager he was to get out of that probably at that point he's just he's just thankful to be alive one would help i, I mean, mean really and he's just like if hey i already made it through this if i gotta go through this but now i'm in a safe environment yeah the divers you know. did comment that he remained cool yeah and collected because he's throughout. like i've already been through the worst of it like this is this is just gonna take time that's all it's gonna be i'm not gonna die you know whereas bef- I would be whereas whereas out. before he was like well, I'm going to die eventually. You I know. would just be flipping out either way. <laughs> so, after. I, I would just be elated to be alive. <laughs> and now I'm in, now I'm being monitored in the care of people, so I'm all good. Right. That's how I would feel. So, during Harrison's entire underwater ordeal. That's fucking crazy. His family was 
sort of informed about what was going on. So, like, the families of everybody on board were notified because it was known that this ship had capsized and that chances were nobody was alive, right? But, so his brother, Harrison's brother, had been informed right away. Like, look, this is what's going down. Um, But he decided against informing his and Harrison's... uh, did I call him Jackson again? I feel like I keep go- calling him. His name is Harrison. Just I apologize if I say Jackson at any point. Um, Harrison or Harrison's brother decided not to tell their mom right away. Uh, specifically, he told her like, "Hey, look, we need to go to Lagos, and Lagos is just up a little up the coast mm-hmm. of Nigeria." Um, and he was very obtuse about why they needed to go to Lagos. So he was, like, making up a story, but the real reason was he wanted to get their mother to, like, be with other relatives Mm -hmm. so that she wasn't alone when having to deal with this news. Uh, So that was why he sort of made that ploy. And then, this is awful, Harrison's wife, Akpos, also initially didn't know what was going on because she lost her cell phone earlier in the day. So she was in the dark for a little bit before she was finally informed. So as, I mean, this unfolded over several days. Sure. So for, but for a few days, like, it was like, well, they're just waiting to recover his body, right? So, and then, can you imagine hearing, like... He's alive. He's alive. He fucking survived 62 hours in 100 feet of water at the bottom of the ocean. That's fucking crazy. So 10 out of the 11 remaining crew members' bodies were recovered, which is pretty remarkable considering they were down at the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. But considering many of them were still locked in their cabins, that probably helped. Um, But anyway, West African Ventures called off the search for the last crew member on May 29th, which was the day after Harrison was rescued. And they were like, look, it's just not safe for our divers, um, especially considering we've searched the ship, we found Harrison, but there are no other survivors. So the CEO of West African Ventures, Jacques Rumens, commented, quote, the families of all crew members have been informed of the outcome of the rescue operation and West Africa, West African Ventures will continue to give all support possible to the families of our deceased and missing colleagues. We extend our deepest sympathy to all of them. Unquote. I mean, it, it seems like an inherently dangerous occupation and mission at times. And Any, anything dealing with the ocean, ocean, the river, yeah. well, some yeah. rivers, yeah. lakes, I mean, mm-hmm. but particularly the ocean. Like, you, you don't you don't know if you're ever coming back when whenever you go out on whatever you're doing. And while like the, the real cause of this is the greed to just be operating in dangerous conditions. So that is you could call capitalism the culprit here, but otherwise, like, no individual was responsible for this, or even the company per se. Like, this was normal no, really. business. I mean, it was just a. They know the what they're getting into. Out. Yeah, they know what they're getting yeah, into, and they they accept that risk. Mm-hmm. You know, so like the, like the eight guys locked themselves into wherever because just they knew in, piracy just was just in it. case. Yeah. 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 Oh, I have. Let me <clears throat> catch up on pictures. This yeah, what does the Harrison guy look like? When he was found. Oh my god. Yeah. Look Holy how stunned shit. he looked. He's just like shit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. I know. We'll watch the video, too. It's pretty stunning. And then here, <laughs> the, pa- the fact that this poor guy could even muster something of a smile after that whole <laughs> Right? Tale. That's him and the rescue divers. Mm-hmm. And you can tell he's just like, okay, I'll do my best. He's just, he's just like, I'm done. But you can tell he's so exhausted. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine how fucked up your body would feel after that well, and no, your mind i was just gonna else. say i think the tougher thing would be you're getting through it mentally yeah and your body can do all sorts of shit you're right and if you're if your mind gets detached even kind of the slightest then that's uh that's not good so after his decompression uh harrison okenney was recovered medically and was released and reunited with his wife and his family. He decided not to attend the funerals of his fellow crew members, not because he didn't care or or was afraid of being traumatized. He was actually afraid the families of the dead would say, and this is his own words, quote, why is he the only one to survive? Yeah, that's This poor guy felt a lot of survivor's guilt, which is very common. Superstition is also common in Nigerian culture. And Harrison's own pastor of the church that he went to asked him if he used black magic to survive. (laughs) Harrison said, quote, how could a man of God be saying this? End quote. Like, why wouldn't you think... If you're a fucking pastor, why wouldn't you think, oh, God spared you. God saved you. It's a miracle. No. He was like, oh, did you use fucking black magic? Like, how dickish is that? I have an answer for that because it's all fucking bullshit anyway. Well, there's that. But but you know what? Like, But yes, if you are going to be ordained in the faith, as it were. Um, you should have a little bit more perspective well, than that. <clears throat> number one, uh, the main thing you should have is um, if you're a person in that role uh as a human being you should have first and foremost sympathy and empathy yes and then that would guide every other decision exactly so but yeah but yeah but we yeah. know we we, we know but, that this is mostly a fucking scam but but what i really appreciate is actually harrison had a very intelligent and nuanced view so obviously because he has a pastor he's he's a per- person of faith mm-hmm um, but he, Which I have, I have no problem with. No, That's fine. But here's the yeah. interesting thing. He actually understood both sides of this, which is very uncommon. For, uh, sure. So listen Especially to this. having gone through something like this. But, but listen to this. So on the one hand, he openly credited his faith in God um, for his survival. During his whole, like, basically underwater entrapment, he recited psalms to, like, comfort himself. He prayed. Um, so, and he attributed that as contributing to his survival, which I actually don't doubt even from, I don't doubt that. Like, no, regardless of your all. faith, I actually don't doubt that from a psychological perspective. No, not at all. Like it was, a, a something a to drive, keep, something to keep comfort. you going, uh-huh. something to keep your mind occupied like, yes. abso- for 62 mm-hmm. fucking hours yeah. in the dark thinking you're going to die. So yeah. Um, he said, quote, I don't know what stopped the water from filling that room, which, by the way, you're like, yeah, that makes perfect sense, right? You'd think it would just Especially because it fucking capsized. Yes. Um, I was calling on God. He did it. It was a miracle, end quote. Uh, he also said, quote, when I was under the water, I told God, 
if you rescue me, I will never go back to the sea again. Never. <laughs> End quote. Which is, <laughs> that just absolutely like, why yeah, would you want imagine? to? Never. And like, legit. Yeah. But well, then, you, well, you might have to just for economic reasons. But well, anyway. yeah, but like he might be like, okay, time to find uh, another I'm career. Done. Yeah. yeah. So, but he also said, and this is why I say, like he saw both sides of this. Uh, he said, "quote Every week, I ask God, why only me? Why did my colleagues have to die?" End quote. Which I, I love because that's the side of it that people don't look at. Like when somebody gets. Uh, like, uh, their, their cancer goes away, right? Or, or something happens or like there's a horrible, uh, disaster like this, but somebody survives. There's always the, oh, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. But nobody's like, well, what about the fucking people who died? I was just going to say like, what about the miracle for your, uh, neighbor in your hospital room that's now dead? Right. Exactly. Where was his miracle? But that's the thing that I appreciate about Harrison is he was, he saw both sides of it. He was like, look, I think my faith saved me. But at the same time, I'm really conflicted because why couldn't you have done that to the other 11 guys on board? And, and the, that's, and that's, that's the, really see, that's nuanced. The, that's the strange thing of faith. Like, could he have survived because he had faith and was, uh, yeah, of course. I mean, that's, that's entirely possible. Even just psychologically, even if yes. there is no God, which we both identify as agnostic. Right. So we, is it possible there is that? a God that for mm-hmm. some reason shined out on him in that moment? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to spare you. I, I, sure. Is it probable? Okay. No. I don't think so. But is it possible? Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, so that's, I mean, that's the strange thing. I mean, I remember always like, you know, like at award ceremonies and especially like with athletes and stuff. Like, uh, thank God. Like, thank God for mm-hmm. this and that. Um, I always grew up like wondering, like, when is it going to be, when is it going to be like somebody who blames God for something like right. in a public forum? <laughs> right. And it finally happened. Oh, really? In the year of our Lord, 2010, oh. when Buffalo Bills wide receiver, Stevie Johnson. Mm hmm. Had the game-winning pass, I believe this was against the Pittsburgh Steelers, in overtime. I mean, it was... I could have caught that ball. Uh Uh-huh. It went right through his fucking hands in the end zone. Oh, okay. And, of course, Pittsburgh went right down the field Uh and scored and won the game. So what did he say? he called out God on Twitter. (laughs) And people had... What did he say, exactly? He said something like... I would have to pull it up, but it was in the vein of... Like, God, I believed in you for so long, and I needed oh, you to wow. be there, and, like, you weren't there for me in this wow. moment. It was in that vein. Well, that wasn't exactly what know? he said. And the reaction to it... Was not favorable, I imagine. No, it was, was like, it? 50-50. Yeah, yeah. It was 50% people being like, finally, like, mm-hmm. somebody comes out and mm-hmm. blames... Calls out God. Yes. <laughs> And the other 50% was obviously like, you can't like, you know, mm-hmm. now, yeah. right. <laughs> but, it, but it was a very funny moment. And like, and like somebody, it was, it makes sense. It's yes. actually a very sensical thing. And that's why like with, with Harrison, not only did this guy manage to survive this psychologically, even let alone physically, let alone knowing how to like, fucking find figure out how to make a raft how to try to survive and not just get give up but he's like i so respect people of faith who are able to understand the or, doubts or, about or it or even or, able to ask it why yes that's like yeah. he wasn't afraid to say hey 
God, by the way, do you want to answer me on this? Because I could really use some. I need some clarification yes. here. Like I'm yeah. just, I'm just a cook. Mm-hmm. Like, like, look, I, I, I believe wasn't, in I wasn't you. the captain. I totally believe in you, and I'm cool with all this. But like, but, but why? why? Why not those guys? Why'd you let them? And die? that's that's also part of the survivor's it guilt too. It absolutely is. It absolutely is. Yeah. So you know, whatever this guy has to say or believe or do to make it through the night. God damn it, I hope he's still doing it and still going strong. You know, good for him. So, unfortunately for Harrison, he he did, and I imagine continues to, there there weren't really any updates on this story past, like, the immediate. Uh, And it was covered very extensively in the press, his survival, because obviously this was a big deal. But he suffered from PTSD. Oh, of course. Unfortunately for him, and I really hope this has abated since you know six years ago but he had really vivid nightmares fuck yes um he said quote when i am at home sometimes it feels like the bed i am sleeping in is sinking i think i am still in the sea again i jump up and i scream Mm. end quote his wife says quote when he is sleeping he has that shock he will just wake up in the night saying honey see the bed is sinking we are in the sea Mm. Nicole, can you imagine? Just like you can't even fucking get rest. Well, I mean, maybe that's the payoff for surviving. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, who knows? I mean, that's it's just so unfair. It's like it is. you get through that, and then you get you tor- have and, then like, you, and then you get mentally tortured for the frankly, rest of your life. Frankly, I kind of would be behind people who survive horrible tragedies like this, like basically getting some sort of public funding to just retire. Oh, I'd be completely <laughs> you know? fucking. I'm I'm completely fine with that. I'd be like, uh, you've been through yeah. literally enough. You you deserve to just take it easy. You're good. Your life, yeah. You're good. Yeah. If you want, uh, if you want to, you can have my PlayStation Four and my Red Dead Redemption Two. <laughs> you can have, whatever, you you can have whatever the Jesus. fuck you want. I don't give a shit. Uh huh. Like you, you made it. Yep. <laughs> like. Yep. You know. So, Jesus. Harrison. Ojegba Okene remains a one-of-a-kind case, um, an involuntary aquanaut, meaning oh, someone okay. who, yep, is... Yeah, no shit. Nobody's yes. ever tried to do... Nobody's ever wanted to do this before. He is the individual who has survived the longest known time trapped underwater without equipment. No kidding. I'm sure he would gladly trade that in to have never gone through it. But goddamn Harrison O'Kenny, cheers to you. Yes, Jesus. Definitely. Wow. And whatever got you through it, uh, I mean, if it was God, yay God. If it was yourself and your own mental metal, then goddamn you're a strong person. So so that was the story of the Jackson 4 wow. and the survival of Harrison O'Kenny. No shit. Yeah. That... that- Completely went in the direction I did not think it was going in. Right. Wow. Wait till you watch the video. I'm not sure if I want to. Mm. I'm really not sure. I've already got it in my mind what happens. I think that's kind of good enough. I think it's actually pretty. Maybe one day. I don't know if I'll watch it tonight. Okay. Yeah. All right. But anyway, but so just by the look on his face after he's already been rescued and he's fine. Yeah. 
He's trying so hard. Like, He's the guys just, around him are Oh, thrilled. the guys around him are like, holy fuck. This is a once-in-a-lifetime like, career yeah. thing for them. Well, it's I don't think it's necessarily that. It's I think they are so... They're so happy. That they found... They, they, they were, were able to They were on a out. recovery mission. Yes. Not a rescue mission and at that point. And they had already found four dead bodies yeah. by that point. So imagine how happy they were to find somebody alive. Yeah. I agree. Plus, also, like... If, yeah. And this this guy's like, can you fucking believe this? This, this, dude, guy, this, dude, this, this dude's guy. alive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and he's he's I mean he's being uh, a he really can't, good sport. Like, yeah, I mean <laughs> frankly. he can't he's just like He's like, okay. The look in his face says everything. I it, mean it, it, is it really just, does. It's just like I can't even muster a smile. But and, he's and doing I, a really good he's job trying. even just he's trying. not just being a fucking Blank He's just sleep. like, take my yeah. picture, whatever. Mm, this is great. Yeah. Now I'm going to go back to my bed and get the feeling of drowning while I'm sleeping. Yeah. For the rest of my life. Jesus Christ. And he was 29. So he was 29 in 2013, which oh, makes yeah, him almost still, exactly my yeah, age. Yeah, he's still just a young man. Yeah. Fuck. With a wife. Hopefully by now, if he wanted kids, like he's got a family, he's happy. I, just, I, 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 I really, he I almost deserves wanna, the fucking best. I almost want to reach out to this person and like send him like fifty dollars a month, like or what, whatever we can <laughs> afford. Like here, what, we'll crowdfund the, the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, like I have no problem with that at all. No, like the, oh. you go through some shit like that and you make it out on the other side. In my mind, as long as you're not causing harm to anybody else, in my mind, you're free to do whatever the fuck you want for the I rest of your life. I would rather fucking work like a dog for the rest of my life than spend 60 hours the way yeah. he did. Yeah. As Yeah. With all the mental anguish, with all the horror, with all the scaredness. I came very close to not working with my current company because I couldn't stand my job anymore. Mm, yeah, right. Thankfully, I'm starting a new position yeah. in a couple of days. Congrats to you. Which That's makes wonderful. it so much better. But yes... I would gladly work at your old continue job. <laughs> doing the job I was doing mm-hmm. for the rest of my life mm-hmm. to not have to go through oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't even have to think about it. No. Nope. And be like, okay, what's the worst thing that's going to happen today? I'm going to hate my job. Okay, well, that's better than being submerged in 100 feet of water for 60 hours. That's, you know, <laughs> you know that's why I feel like sometimes our... Um, I mean, this was more uplifting than our usual disasters, but that is one of the reasons I feel like I'm drawn to learning about these disasters and stuff because it puts things it's, in perspective. It so does. Like, um, like this may sound super weird, but I was feeling super stressed out when we started recording this. I feel better now. I think it's going to come through on the recording. It might be partially because <laughs> of the nine and a half percent beer I drank, but also because, like. Exactly like you said, when you put things in perspective, and I get it doesn't always work. Sometimes there's just mental shit going on that the perspective doesn't really work. But but when it can, you know, like, God damn, bless, God bless. If God is out there, God bless Harrison O'Kenny. And um, hopefully God will continue to take care of him for the rest of his goddamn life. Because <laughs> that sounded really... S- Cynical. <laughs> what did that sound like? God, that said, God, God take care of this person for the rest of his goddamn life. <laughs> God damn it. I meant that more for emphasis than for like a judgment. I'm sorry, Harrison. I did not mean that. If no, anything, no, she you. You're a lovely person. She did not mean it that way. 
That just came out. I did. I just meant it more for emphasis. I I think Karis. Can, can you imagine if we ever like met one of our miracle sewed her- heroes? That would be pretty crazy, wouldn't it? Or it wild, would be, wouldn't it? It would be crazy. And before we go down that road, we need to wrap the, this up, don't the we? Nine and a half percent. Oh my god! In. Here, you need the. It's the Jackson Four. It's easy yes, to remember. I was there say, you go. Yes. So that was yes. the Jackson Four. Sinking. No, just the Jackson 4. That was the story of the Jackson 4. That was the story of the Jackson 4 and yeah. the lone survivor. Yes. Um, Harrison O'Kenny. Um, may, may, may he live the may, rest of his life may, may brilliantly. He, may he continue on in goddamn peace. Yeah. Yeah, God, leave him the fuck alone. Let him live his life in goddamn peace, God. This has been another episode <laughs> of All Bad Things. <laughs> <laughs> What am I supposed to say? David. I'm David. (laughs) I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week, and I think this is another occasion. Well, if you have an exit, go ahead and know it. If you don't, hang on. Like, take take Harrison's cue. Hang on. Hang on for one more day. Hold on. Hold on for one more. Yay! Right, <laughs> We're blowing into bottles now. Yeah, let's just do.